when he's riding around in that with a little fucking flame dice and you know martinis or whatever the fuck's on that thing and and like you know going like you know that's when all metallica nostalgia kind of fucking died motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef <laughs> Uh, what's up, everybody? Welcome to One Fucking Hour. I am Evan Husney, of course, joined by my usual dudes here. We got to my left, coming from an undisclosed location this time. That's a first for this guy over here to my left. Uh, Tom Fitzgerald, what's going on, man? Uh, I can't say much. <laughs> I'm be pretty tight-lipped about all this, so uh, just carry on, gentlemen. Got a new look coming in hot for the show. Mm-hmm. Very, yeah, I very... forgot my toupee, so uh, <laughs> just suffice with the. I call this the James Hatfield look. So oh, hope you guys like it. Yeah, amazing. And uh, my new come... death style. <laughs> your, yeah, your death style is looking <laughs> fucking fantastic. Um, <clears throat> to my right, determines your lifestyle. It does, and we're gonna yeah. find uh, more about that later. Uh, to my right, we got uh, our usual dude to the right here. What's up, Marcus Herring? How you doing? One fucking hour. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I should have said. Um, <laughs> first, or, we have or to one one fucking hour, like the song. Oh, <laughs> uh, one. Oh, yes, of course. There you go. Um, we put the one in one fucking hour. <laughs> um, well, we should address the mini hiatus that we just went through. Um, my sincere apologies to our listeners because it's my fault. Uh, big time my fault because I was in fucking Canada. Actually, it wasn't my fault. I was out there staying at a hotel for like 18, 19 days up there. No fucking Wi-Fi the entire trip. The hotel didn't fix it. We were scheduled to record this like two and a half weeks ago or whatever the hell it was. So that never happened. Here we are. I'm back. The show will resume as the our normal scheduled programming. Uh, so apologies for that. I know everybody was really bummed out that the show didn't drop. But here we are. We are doing it. Episode 34. One fucking hour on some kind of monster. Um, and uh, <laughs> let's do it. Before I hit that clock, though, I do want to say, because, guys, this is pretty monumental. This is our first one fucking hour reboot uh, episode. Because when b- before this channel officially launched, whenever it is, probably almost a year ago now, whatever it is, um, we uh, we had done a little trial run. Could this show work? Could the three of us get together, much like the uh, members of Metallica, to 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 make uh, a film podcast or whatever you want to call this? Um, and this was the movie we picked as our as our kind of dry run, isn't that right? So yeah, this is our second bite at the apple. Uh, before or coming after the demo tape, which um, right. we may or may not uh, share with the world someday, you know. Oh man, yeah, it was rough. It was it's rough, but cringy. that was that was sort of our like Presidio uh, tapes, right? Uh, exactly. Of 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 one fucking hour, and now, yeah, we're getting into the. What main was so shit. wrong with? I don't remember why why we didn't release it, but it was just like. Um, the tech was all over the place. We we yeah. we had I like a tech. okay yeah it was a tech we were thing. all over. the we, we were, were all over the place too. Like uh, the rhythm wasn't good. We'd never done it at all. <laughs> so ever, yeah. Like recorded the first attempt, you know, and that's yeah. a, little, a little too much. 
Right. But then so, we started with difference and it all worked out. And can I just add one little thing? Sure. Before we start is what was amusing to us is we were hoping to do deliverance as the next time and the first formal, you know, like released episode. And there's a deliverance poster that's very prominent, mm-hmm. surprisingly, in this film, some kind of monster. And it just it 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 tickled his pink, you know. That's that is very weird. That's right. I forgot that about that. Weird of all posters, like what? Okay. Yeah, I know. Super weird. So, um, we all right. Early, that's early, our early idea to tie all the movies together was to yes. the next movie right. would be a must poster. have a poster. Yeah, <laughs> we are repeating ourselves. Yeah. Well, that would mean that after the hills have eyes, we would have to do Jaws. Oh, exactly. Right. <laughs> all right. Poster, hills have eyes. All right, I am going to start that clock. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, there we go. Reset. Okay. Yep. Well, for clock. whom the bell tolls indeed. All right. <laughs> oh, right? Go. That's All what right. we're going to have to say at the hour mark. <laughs> All no. right. And Maybe. the clock will start now. Doom. All right, guys. little background on Some Kind of Monster in case you didn't get all the in-jokes. Uh, Some Kind of Monster is the 2004 documentary directed by Paradise Lost's Joe Berlinger and Bruce Sanofsky, which chronicles the lowest point in the career of heavy metal juggernaut Metallica. Group therapy sessions, infighting and bickering, rehab stints, professional insecurities, and major creative constipation are at the center of this surprisingly intimate and insightful snapshot of the band at their most vulnerable so um that is the movie and boy oh boy did i have fun watching it uh the second time for the show uh the other night but um i did want to start i did want to start because i kind of liked echoing what we did on the doors episode um, a few weeks back i wanted to kind of start with just all of us going around the room talking about uh our personal sort of relationship to the band metallica you know before we get into the movie Some Kind of Monster. So I, I figure, Marcus, let me kick it off to you, man. What's your personal history with Metallica? Hmm. Well, I've, I've always been more of a punk dude than a metal dude. and So all of the metal I like is sort of tangentially related to punk, mm. you know? Danzig or, you know... Um, but, uh... Brash. You know, or- uh... <laughs> right, and I loved uh, like butt rock too, you know. But I did like you know Motley Crue and whatever, uh, Faster Pussycat stuff like that. Poison. Oh. But um, I think, uh, but I didn't like when I was when I was a kid. I was really into the Beatles, and I remember specifically my cousins loved metal and they loved watching on MTV. And my mom took me aside when I was a little boy and she said, "Marcus, promise me that you'll never listen to that kind of music." <laughs> really? Said, like Metallica? <laughs> yeah. Like like metal? Well, just like heavy Funny. metal, heavy metal, yeah, yeah. you know. So um, it took me a long time to kind of break that, you know. But, you know, I think what happened was I was in a uh, a band in high school, first year, junior, you know, ninth grade or whatever, very briefly called Atomic Death. And the Ooh. practice, and the first practice was the guitarist, who was a total Dave Mustaine type, say you love Satan type dude, Steve, yes. was uh taught me how to play seek and destroy and i was playing the bass i was a bass player on that so after that i felt like i had if i didn't know learn metallica after that i felt like i was gonna be a a poser so i kind of i did dig the first like three albums you know and i'm kind of like a 
Well, first four, right? Because Injustice is four, right? So, right. Yeah, so I'm the, sort of the first four albums Metallica type dude. And I, I don't really, uh, I don't want to go for that. So, yeah, that's that's me. How about, how about you guys? Well, for me, Metallica was, um, boy, oh, boy. It was a huge deal for me as a kid, right? So um, I kind of, my musical trajectory was like, you know, uh, Definitely like ACDC was was probably my first like real rock band that I very Beavis and Butthead taste in music when I was a kid. And like ACDC was huge for me. I was learning to play guitar. I was trying to like do that. I wanted I wanted to become a guitar player. So Metallica was a natural and I fell in love with them. And I just like I just was like going off with like, you know, all the records and stuff. I remember going to Kmart, buying fucking Ride the Lightning. And it was a big deal for me, you know, at that time, all that shit. So I learned all of it on guitar. Metallica was a huge part. Of course, that evolved into loving Megadeth and loving Slayer and stuff. So like the age of like 13 and stuff onward was like metal for me. That was my life. So Metallica was a huge part of it. And I never had any affinity for the 90s material. And I know that's kind of like... I'm trying to say that, oh, that's easy for me to say now. But really, back then, in the 90s when I was listening to Metallica, I never really related that much to load and reload and things like that. Um, but which we'll talk once we get into the movie a little bit, we'll talk a little bit more about that era of Metallica. But Tom, I'm super curious, you, what's your, did you have any history with uh, liking Metallica as a Ute? Yeah. Uh, this one's going to be relatively quick <laughs> compared to you guys. Um,. <laughs> I don't have anything against them, but I don't know anything about them really. The big thing is that I know that DJ Shadow sampled like Orion yeah. uh, for the song, the for the numbers song, and that fucking kicks ass. And uh, I mean, all kidding aside, I mean that's that's actually the main thing. I don't know any of their albums. Um, I always like the cliff thing. Um, I just remembered yeah. that I did have a uh, heavy metal calendar that I think my mom got me for Christmas <laughs> in the 80s. Uh, but I was tuning out of metal by the time she gave it to me. So it was a weird year because it was like Venom in October. But I remember it was also uh, it was Metallica like in September or something. So for a whole month, I was staring at a uh, cliff version of Metallica. And I was like, that guy looks pretty fucking core. Like, <laughs> I was more into it, but I was like, guy Cliff looks fucking sick. Yeah. I remember just that picture and yeah. that's, and then I heard he died and I was like, Oh, he seems cool. And then I did listen to pulling teeth, his like yes. sick ass bass solo thing. Right. And, uh, I, I don't know. I like Cliff's vibe. I mean, it is kind of like pretty core that he died and everything in that yeah. sense of like the mythos of, of Cliff. But, um, the last thing I'll say is just James Hetfield looks too much like the cowardly lion for me. And it just kind of cringe. I mean, I can't get that out of my head. And I'm sorry to him, to the fans of Metallica, to the universe, but I can't shake that. So that's it. That's Metallica for Tom. That's rough. Um, Am I I wrong? No, you're. Yeah, yeah. I actually had that note myself. I must have ripped that off from you, though. But it's in. It was in my head when I was watching it uh, this this last time. I will say that I thought one thing they did was cool. I thought was that they. Like like Nirvana went back and like referenced the bands they that influenced them like Vaseline's or whatever, and mm-hmm. Metallica was that sort of touchstone too. You know they had like Misfits shirts and Misfits yeah. tattoos, and they yeah, totally. they covered like Anti Nowhere League, and you know they kind of gave they introduced the, that uh, era the, of like that's the mid song to late So 80s. What, like specifically yeah. the song they cover So What is like uh you know a, a like a dirt UK metal a punk band excuse me yeah like through. The respect to that, I agree. I'm with you on that. 
Well, actually, yeah, and they, if they I kind of gave those air, they gave props to those old bands. I think it, it was like, you know, passed it down to the next generation. Yeah, cool. yeah, and 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 not to not to go too long on that either, but just the idea of like, man, I I learned about so many like Nirvana. I learned about so many great bands through Metallica. You know, so mm. many of those new wave of British heavy metal bands, the Diamond Head, and even Motorhead to some extent. Like all these bands that they championed and loved, like you know, you by proxy would get into by just being cool. into Metallica. And so that 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 right. was also a huge part of it. And too. hardcore stuff too, Discharge or whatever. Yeah. I mean, they were kind of digging right. deep, you know, for like like true weird true. They were nerds, man. Draft. And oh, and fucking yeah, Merciful cool. Fate, Merciful Fate, King Diamond, of course. Um, but, yes, right. <laughs> but uh, speaking to the cringe um, real quick is all of that. I think it's a good segue to all of the great things I loved about Metallica. Those first three and a half albums, as they sort of say, and all the all that stuff, you know, um, with Metallica that I loved as a kid fucking died instantly when I saw this movie for the first time when it opened at the Lemley Sunset Five in, in Los Angeles is where I saw it. And I and I and I went in and I, I didn't know what to expect because this was sort of marketed. Uh, some kind of monster was marketed as kind of a, a making of their new album. It wasn't really marketed as like a sad, depressing look at these guys right. at the lowest point in their career. Like, like next Friday, a two-hour therapy session. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was that wasn't the marketing. Okay. No, 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 no. So, so, so I I I went into the movie, and then as soon as I see fucking James Hatfield. Uh, riding around in that little fucking uh, what do you call it? hot rod? That little rat fink. Yeah, like like a big daddy Roth rat fink oh. uh, cr- cringe mobile. Yeah, yeah. And when he's riding around in that with a little fucking flame dice and you know martinis or whatever the fuck's on that thing, and <laughs> and like you know going like you know that's when all Metallica nostalgia kind of fucking died pretty instantly. So seeing this movie back then, I was like, what the fuck is this shit? And then now watching it, uh, even though it's cringe all over the place, it's kind of an amazing time capsule, not only just for that, but it's like it is a pretty intimate and 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 and, and emotionally <laughs> tough sort of movie. And I do kind of give them a little kudos, you know, for allowing themselves to be portrayed in this way, knowing that it's going to make them look kind of lame. You know, I don't know. What do you guys you think know, of that? We, we were talking about that a little bit like uh it just hit me earlier. Like I can compare it a bit to let it be in that sense, as far as what you're saying, right. which is, uh, it's such an intimate portrayal. The warts and all yeah, warts and all is, as Paul McCartney said in regards to let it be, it's, um, it's rare that you get a sort of a non publicist, uh, composition right. of a rock band, you know, and, uh, you know, there's no filter here. It does really feel like, uh, the raw uncut Metallica, and I do respect that because hell, a band like that could easily just put the kibosh. Actually, not even stop the dock, but um, influence the dock and say this is out, this is in. And they didn't. I mean, maybe some stuff is out we don't know about. But um, it looks like they uh, they did something that is pretty respectful, where they just um, let it all hang out. You know. So I do appreciate. Yeah, that. I mean, they committed to showing themselves as being vulnerable from the very get go because that's the whole basis of the movie is that they're going to be in these like therapy sessions together which are like it's before it's before james is even sober and stuff so they kind of committed to like let's show this afterwards they're like let's do it they kind of went in with the idea that they were going to show themselves that way and 
there's not I don't think I can't think of any other band or you know anybody else that does that. Like, look, come come sit in no, on my I therapy know. sessions. I guess. God, yeah. Well, let's let's oh, maybe let's sort of set it up. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's sort of set it up because you know when we mentioned that it was at their lowest point, like this is following Napster. So I mean, I remember that shit. I had fucking Napster and was rolling that shit hard in terms of downloading and of course you know the 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 backlash metallica and namely lars had from that that was a huge sort of you know chink in their armor you know when they absolutely like you know had the fan backlash from that they were you know jason newstead the bass player which we'll talk about Mm -hmm. a little later left the band so they're at this really vulnerable point of where the future is kind of uncertain and they're trying to kind of like adapt to the new metal environment that's around them that's a, that's what's popping off at the time and they're and and, and they're creatively and grunge and grunge you know, post grunge they're still yeah. kind of like catching up they're still trying to figure out grunge like i know they're sorting out can, grunge in like know. 1999 <laughs> yeah you know like the, the haircuts yeah, and, yeah. Uh, i know yeah like, yeah yeah nice really sad. Like, they're still they've like, been trying they've been trying to do it for years and they're still like i know there's like stone temple yeah. pilots wannabe like moves well, okay. That's maybe this is a yeah. Maybe this is a good segue into that because I feel like, you know, with this movie, you know, yeah. Because what I was mentioning about like that '90s era Metallica, where they got the haircuts, they're doing the quasi grunge thing with re- load and reload, and of mm-hmm. course that you know and all that stuff. I mean, yeah, it's it's so bad. It's terrible music, and it's and it's really. Um, to me, I always was so confused by you know why they went in that direction, even though it was well after the fact. And to me, in this movie, something that really struck me watching it again, and this is a part I know we're going to want to unpack, because Jason Newstead leaves the band because he wants to do have his own side project. Okay, guys? <laughs> fucking, fucking Echo Brain, y'all. Uh, yeah. and, you know Echo and, Brain, that absolutely <laughs> enormous rock band that took over the world 20 years ago? I mean, Echo Brain this, Echo Brain. How many Grammys has it been? Yeah. How, everyone, it's how, back, how many getting, platinum? Everyone is getting... How many times the first album Echo Brain faux hawks, you know? Yeah. Remember, yeah. I see yeah. Echo Brain t-shirts every day <laughs> on the street. Every day, so Echo how, Brain. How, how do you describe Echo Brain? Like, like Pac Sun? Um, like Pac Sun Core? I don't even know, like... It's pretty, pretty bad. Like pretty. It's like just uh, Spencer's it's, gifts. Uh, it's just the opening for Stone Temple Pilots. Um, right, right. Like, like uh, Sunset Strip. <laughs> um, Johnny's are like you know like uh, session guys, like circuit two thousand two guys that work at the studio. It's, yeah, guys it's one of the bands that um, that Christopher's uh, girlfriend would have booked at her bar in The Sopranos. Dude. In the Sopranos, <laughs> yeah. nice call. That's exactly it. Oh my god, that's yeah. amazing. But, yeah. but 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 to the point, like for Metallica, they're harmless, you know. Oh my god, right. well it's that's harmless. what I was saying. That's what I was saying is they they basically told Jason Newstead, no, you can't have your Echo Brain. It's either Metallica or Echo Brain. And god, he took yeah. obviously. I mean, it's a bad look, though. I mean, it's no. A bad uh, look. To be fair, they're protecting the brand. Yeah, but no. I just want to say um, that. No, but that wasn't the reason. I'm no, sure. No, 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 no. It's not. No, but I. But but the point is, in this movie, it's very abundantly clear how threatened they are Absolutely. by Echo Brain, and and you see it uh, not only just in the conversation about it, but actually when they go to the concert, the Echo Brain concert, one of the best scenes in the film, and and uh, you know Lars is just sitting there. 
that pretentious little fucking look on his face. And he's just saying like, you know, uh, Jason is the future and Metallica is the past, you know, and talking that is, about that is, that is a direct <laughs> quote from Lars. And like, a, 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 not kidding. It's like, how could you even think that? I mean, it's like, yeah, it's not it's 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 their bass player and some, you know, Sunset Strip, you know, like session guys like it's not it's not like uh, it's not even like Velvet Revolver is what I'm saying. It's not even like he joined a super group. Like, right. Slash isn't there. Like yeah. he maybe could justify being threatened if he was starting a Velvet Revolver kind of project. Sure. It's, it's illustrative. That, oh. that little line's illustrative of how lost he is. You know, it's like, yeah, good call. like yeah. Nirvana hit them really hard and they just didn't understand that they lost, you know, even though their album was huge, the Black Album, they still felt they lost something yeah. and they spent the rest of their career chasing that, you yeah. know, and like that in that little moment, you see him thinking like, oh, my God, like, what if Jason found that thing that we've been chasing for the last five years? Right. You know? Good, right. good point. Good call. Like good call. Jason's got, Jason found the Nirvana f- uh, formula, and he's going to take it all the way to the top of the charts. But that's, well, but that does indicate how delusional he is and how out of touch he is, like on just reality. You know, just to circle it all mm-hmm. back real quick, just to what I was saying is with yeah. Echo Brain and this scene. Just I think this scene. Echo Brain. <laughs> this this, <laughs> this whole uh, this whole um, Echo Brain dichotomy here is um is really poignant because it it illustrates just how insecure these guys are it doesn't and that's what struck me is like you could be the the top of the fucking rock mountain i mean you're at you're at what diamond status you know you know when you sell 100 million albums you're on fucking diamond status and yet you're threatened by echo brain and that just shows how uh insecure you are as people which this you know show fame doesn't alter their insecurity in, yeah. in your personal insecurities, like, right? Like, the, like the hangups weren't answered by massive success. They're right. still carrying them. Doesn't oh, matter. Of course. Oh, of course. So they're carrying those, and I think that that was very revealing to me as a d- discouraged Metallica fan, being like, okay, now I understand the grunge pivot more. Now I understand how, why they changed their hair and why they adapted to the times, and then of course, then why Saint Anger is a new metal sort of record a very frustrated new metal record is because they, they they're not comfortable in their own skin in that way like a slayer is slayer is just fucking slayer all day you know no matter uh, what yeah. you know slayer you know? is slayer <laughs> yeah exactly Period. right so, right exactly so th- that to me is just very revealing on this watch was like wow the insecurities of these guys um is uh is just very prevalent to be threatened well, by it, echo brain it, yeah yeah. If you can, um, maybe this will get us to another uh, place to start uh, riffing. Yeah. Uh, Evan, you, you being the, the big Metallica guy here, really, um, ah. is, you, well, you've been schooling me a bit about how, like, uh, one of the other characters, you know, in the documentary is important as, you know, like the members of Metallica is uh, Bob Rock. Yeah. Is so he's their <laughs> yeah. producer. Again. And uh, he's, um, well, you can help me out, but just from what I understand, it's like, he comes from kind of really a pop background. Yeah. And, uh, Bo- and he did cringe pop metal like a really bad later Motley Crue in the 80s. Right. And so... Um, a really good Motley Crue, you mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The best. Best to everything. No, like but I can start my heart and like Dr. Feelgood and stuff like that, yes. that album. But what I'm saying, just if, if you can help me out and we can lead, like get breadcrumbs into like um, this other character in the film. Yeah. yeah. And maybe that he's... Because he's, he's very instrumental in the film. Uh, Bob Rock, 
And I got, I didn't know anything about him, but I got a bad vibe about him. You know, like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I didn't like oh, well, coming. He's, he's, he's introduced in the film, which I think uh, perfectly sets the state of frustrated, the frustration they have at this point in their career, just trying to do something, fighting for inspiration, is when um, Bob Rock enters the scene with a fucking what is that electric toothbrush like here use this on your guitar you know and it's just well, like he's, oh. yeah, but he's acting like uh like let's put a let's, let's put play. a lady vibrator on yeah, you yeah, yeah. man oh, that's yeah. fucking right craziness right. and it's it lands <laughs> it's with like a thought yeah so he yeah. seems yeah he's um a rather unsophisticated kind of pop music hack. Yeah. And you were telling me that like um he's a he's a big contributor to their demise um in taking That's my like theory. A really, yeah. yeah. So, that's that's kind and of my he's theory. right at the center of this film and Saint Anger, the album, you know. Yeah. Yeah, Bob Rock, you know, he's a Canadian uh musician. Uh he comes from a pop background, like we said. He was in this band called uh the 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 uh the Paolas. They had that song Eyes of a Stranger. And um, and they had a song in the uh, is it like the Valley Girl stuff? Valley Girl, yeah, that's right? the song. That's yeah. that song. Eyes yeah. of a stranger. Eyes of a stranger. Right. It's like it's that bad, bad fake police. Yes, kind of, you know. I, like, I kind of yeah. like that. And the Beastie thing. Boys covered it, so it's oh, okay. It did, yeah. But I mean, you know, it's like going for police type of thing. Yeah. It sure. is. Oh, um, it's so Bob Rock pop. comes into the Metallica scene on the Black Album, right? Which obviously a lot of people look as like their big pop sellout and i i just think and that's if a you're, big change in their sound and their popularity totally Bob Huge, seismic clearly influenced yeah okay yeah i mean you look at an album like injustice for all i mean that's like a kind of very complex you know almost metal prog album you know mixed very bizarre obviously and um and then and then and you go <laughs> no from bass. that yeah no bass and and you go from injustice for all into this very poppy metal record the black album Obviously, you know, sold as a gazillion copies and is very successful. Yeah. But it's I think it's radio you, ready, you know, radio ready. And it, and, 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 and if you want to put your anger into this Metallica sellout thing, I think really he's the man to blame because he kind of put them on that path. And I think that, um, you know, uh, it just burned out by the time of St. Anger. Right. And obviously moving forward, Metallica would pivot, use Rick Rubin on the next record after St. Anger and. You know, whatever they, I think, I can't remember who they did on the following record after that. But that's funny. So one of the results yeah. post, uh, you know, what this film is a snapshot of, is they were like, let's take five on Bob Rock, right? Yeah. Oh, I would have too. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, he's yeah. I mean, like he comes off as so bad in the movie. It's got that sort of like he reminds me of like a Garth Marenghi or something. <laughs> you know, like somebody who thinks they're really cool and. He's like he gum he's smacking, really cool. wannabe cool guy, but he, he dresses like a Wait. guitar center man, like store manager. Oh, you know? We yes. said something <laughs> like uh, I was mom. saying that he was a <laughs> night Soccer manager mom. at a uh, telemarketing phone bank. <laughs> you know, he, he's trust just like me. dead eyed and always just like doesn't yeah. he never reacts to anything. He's just always trying to be Mister Cool. You know, he like, just wants uh, to like drink a beer and watch porn later. He doesn't give no, a shit about he's, it. He's, it. Yeah, but but. Uh, he he's like trying to like he knows he's got a cash cow and he's trying to hold on so he's like trying exactly. to discourage them he's like discouraging them from getting a bass player because he's kind of thinking like that he'll he's be, he's the be new bass player line. Well, early yeah. in the literally film, he's, uh, yeah he's plucking away he's crab corning yeah. he's, he's kind of like i know we'll get into phil later but he's doing that thing where like that he attaches to them and won't let and like he's like trying to keep them like 
uh, in a regressive state, no, so he can have exactly. his like hooks in them. And they're being held anybody. back. They're as far as the uh, psychology of the uh, music itself, which is pivotal because that's why these guys are all together. Is I think Bob Rock is really holding them back, and yes, it's regressive, and um, just not what they needed right now because they're yeah. obviously adrift. And really, he's a more of the Samer guy. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. whatever. Bob Rock sucks. The the, the yeah. vibrator scene is mega cringe. How about this though? How about this? How about uh, there's that one thing you did that did that that do that 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 do that 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 that. You remember that part? I don't know. That that's sure. what you have is the. No, I want you to do something for me. Just oh, yeah. scream, fuck. <laughs> oh god. As loud as you can. I want it four times. That is so much like, it's uncontrollable cringe is this large shouting yeah. fuck. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, but, but, yeah, Bob, so Bob's a, Bob's a cringe machine. And uh, we were about, thinking uh, a cast of characters, yeah. So yeah, we have to get to well, the, I the think, therapist. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say I, I think it's obviously we'll get into the band and the psychology of the band that's on display yeah. in the movie. But let's also talk about the big elephant in the room, the big sweatered elephant. In the film, um, who is the uh, therapist? Phil, Doctor Phil, the other Doctor Phil. Right. Um, <laughs> Doctor <laughs> Phil. <laughs> and right. uh, who is presumably that he's kind of the the centerpiece of this movie because it's such a contrast. Obviously, you have these big macho metal guys, and now they're in therapy. Um, uh, as as James Newstead says in the film, this is really extremely fucking, fucking lame. lame. Um, but. Um, <laughs> He's right. He is he's right. He's right. He's right. He's right. <laughs> I mean, but, who is that guy? Like, but, but well, with, I guess with the Cosby sweaters, you know. But I guess that you oh, know, Metallica. He, he lives in Kansas City or something. Like, how'd they even yeah. find him? You know, like well, he's I was from. Say, he's moving to San Francisco from Kansas. Like what? Or Missouri or whatever? He's, I mean, like uh, yeah, something like what? that. He, he's exactly how they describe him in the film. I mean, he's uh, you know. Presumably brought on from you know Metallica's management. Obviously, Metallica at the st- prior to the filming of the movie is having r- bad tensions. You know, Jason's on the way out. You know, post Napster yeah. controversy. Napster, like, yeah. there's a lot of stuff going on and infighting. And so they, you know, Metallica is a corporation. When you're a band at that level, you become a company, right? So there's company infighting at the top. You bring in kind of a corporate strategist, in this case, a therapist that the uh, you know management wants and, and and I think they say in the movie that this guy might have even you know coached or done therapy for for sports teams where it's like there's a lot of money at stake yes. and we all gotta right. play sports ball teams again. and maybe like one or two bands you know maybe yeah um, right like smashing yeah. pumpkins or something and he helped them <laughs> like work through uh you know uh their infinite sadness or whatever stupid album is. Anyway, um uh melancholy but uh, i'm guessing i have no idea but um no it's right but uh i mean you know it's like i mean if we just get a nitty-gritty of the film here like the dynamics i guess of the film um because he's the he's a variable i mean you know lars and uh and the guys are you know that's metallica but this guy i'm trying to figure out how good he is at what he does you know what i mean yeah he's really bad and then also um if he has any um if he's broken any ground with anybody, because I thought maybe James brought him in because Lars seems like a shut door on Dr. Phil. And, um, but it looks like all of them. Well, if you don't mind, can I jump to uh, the chase about how my feelings about the end of the film? Because it involves the doctor, well, like kind of the, the not uh, leave Phil. No, I, it I know involves I'm direct, Phil. No, I'm direct hitting Phil. Yeah. 
just we got okay. the clock and you know it's something well i was going to say um well the, the demise of dr phil i i, I go ahead I, I just before you i just want to set that up because it is a big part of 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 it which is you know obviously this movie spends so much time it's two over two hours and it and for the most part it's lars and james infighting right and you're with them through the thick through the thick of it as they're really at each other's throats throughout the most of the movie right and that's a huge part of it and some of those scenes are like pretty rugged you know um and i and, and i think as audience members which we should talk about shortly after the segment yeah. you want to get to is how we you kind of as audience waver between like fuck fuck lars fuck james fuck you both you know kind of thing um mm-hmm. but no heroes yeah no, yeah there's no heroes but the point is is that um that's what the focal point is but there's a really great moment tom that you want to get to here just about how as the audience you kind of rally behind them at the end with Dr. Phil. Dr. Phil. Well, that's what I was going to say. Um, we were talking about this earlier because this is the second time I've seen the film. And, um, you know, my allegiance, I guess the first time I saw the film, I didn't really have any allegiance with either of the two, uh, Lars or James. I was just kind of like, yikes, like uh, no to both of them. But I was really feeling Lars a lot more for whatever reason, where my head's at or whatever. He was making he was making rational sense, I think, in an irrational situation that was, I think, largely James's fault. But it's all more complicated than that. And Lars can be douchey. But what I found really it was a nice touch. The film ends on it. That was a good idea of the directors, because this is great thing that happens, that camaraderie that undoubtedly people who are beyond friends and maybe even beyond brothers, people like Lars and James and everything they've been through for decades, heavy stuff. Not just family, but like crazy things, bad times, good times, death, cliff down. Yeah. 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 Crazy fun times, hard work, all the albums and the touring and the live shows. It's like, yeah, they're going to fight, but you know what? They're going to come together and kind of go, it's you and me, brother, like before and like in the future. It's you and me, but fuck this guy. And they, <laughs> yeah, yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah. And you're both just done with. Um, uh, Dr. Phil, and they will not let him even finish a sentence. And they're like, yeah, yeah we're kind of done with you because we're fucking Lars and James from Metallica. We got business to do, and you're out of here. And I just really like the tone of that because that's such human uh, dynamics. And I thought that was a really nice display because the film at least ends on that note where um, they have such a closeness uh, that's they beyond... They come back um, together. Yeah, it's, but yeah. it's also very rare, and it's nice to see. I don't think it's like love or it's not necessarily beautiful, but it's just like almost like war. Like these motherfuckers are in the trenches. And if both of them don't see each other for another 20 years or something, they'll just be like, Lars, James, what's up? Yeah. And they, in a way, they are at war with each other currently. So I really liked it. Maybe it was a yeah. beautiful moment. And it was a, 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 and they were just so dismissive and didn't even want to hear the guy finish his sentence that it was, it was just sort of heartening to right. see um, after all of the uh, incriminating or um, the, um, you know, tension. The, the, the in- yeah. yeah, they're not super mean to him. Like, I mean, like they are mean to him in that moment. But then the, the film at least gives them a chance to be like kind to him at the end too, and not just come off as dicks. Because there's a part where they're sitting around that fucking kitchen table for like the sixtieth time in that movie. They're sitting around that table, mm-hmm. and they're all like crying a little bit. Like, I'm gonna miss this time, you know? Like, they're kind of like lamenting that the film's over and the album's over. And even they let Phil like have a moment there too, where he's like you know tearing up a little bit. So they, 
I like that's that. Too, the last I do appreciate him, that right? moment where they kick him out, but no, they they let. I noticed at this time that they, he comes back and they yeah. they sort of give it a little bit of like nice closure, you know. But well, James also I mean, but, yeah, he does say that he was a father figure, you know, and he does he does he does say a lot of nice things about Phil, but I think just what to Tom's point is is in that one moment, it's just like it's nice as the viewer to say, oh. Now they got now like when they found common ground and like you know now right. Lars has James's back because we're gonna flush this turd down the fucking toilet. Yeah, it's it's triangulate it's 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 a yeah, it's a I get uh, it. It's a binary circumstance that gets triangulated and very yeah. often <laughs> yeah. that uh the dynamic just changes. Anyway, it was just you love yeah. seeing just, them you just love seeing I mean, them on the same page, is what I'm yes, saying. Yes. That's all I'm and saying. Phil is a, Phil is a turd too. Like it's like the the level of overstepping is shocking and like this is coming from me like i i like therapists i support self-help all that stuff you know uh recovery but like just he is like a soul-sucking therapist who is like a remora you know like uh there's a bunch of remoras in this movie and like you know uh, i think he's um following the pattern of uh, dr landry He's the, uh, the the Spengali who took the very vulnerable Brian Wilson in the 80s and, you know, took over his life, oh, his finances yeah. and everything. So there's yeah. definitely precedent here. And yeah, to hear. Right. And that's, I think, when the, the light switch went off for both James and Lars, when they were hearing things like, well, yeah, I'm on the tour. And uh, yeah, me and Marge are selling the Maryland house or whatever. And uh, we're going to be down the road from you guys. Like they, they sniffed out like... Um, a, like a control, um, uh, yeah. uh, 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 you know, Spengali, um, yeah, uh, threat, a threat, and the so balls um, in that guy to be like submitting has that agenda because it's money, you know, it's like maybe he'll get five mil a year if he's like Metallica's, you know, babysitter, right? But he's like treating himself like he's a member of the band too. He's like the, the fact he's like giving lyrics. The part I, I didn't catch last time was he's actually uh, in, auditioning Twiggy Ramirez for the base you know he's sitting there going like well you know it's been a tough time for us since jason left like he's actually yeah, us, talking about himself as it, uh, us yeah. Yeah. yeah like he's auditioning the new bass player it's so crazy you know he's the a, level he's a con of, I, i've never seen anyone yeah he's, he's yeah, a con yeah. man it, he's and, a it's, con and he's part of a long line to them and he's a he's a pretty tacky and transparent one too you know and they saw it through him and sent that cosby sweater wearing motherfuckers <laughs> to the door so anyway, yeah. whatever. Let me get into that. Well, and so that's that character. But if I can, you know, we, yeah, we're going to talk about characters maybe in the film. Yeah, I, I, I want to. I want to. Um, uh, I just want to say because it kind of pairs nicely with this. Because um, obviously, this is a very James centric film, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's largely a, you know about James and Lars, right? For the most part, <clears throat> Kirk is a burnt out sort of. <laughs> which Kirk's we'll get adorable. to. Yeah, yeah, he is. Well, 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 well no that. solos. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that kind of shit is that, man? Like he perked, He's like uh, the whole film. He's doing the crossword puzzle, and then someone says the word solo. Yeah. And he's like, wait, what? Huh? No solos. So, he's just a, a sweet I kid who's now. like, I'm happy to. I'm happy to be here. I'm lucky to be here. He's just gonna keep his head down and not get in the drama. I mean, yeah. he says that, and I don't think he's. He doesn't seem like super. You know, the other guys are more intellectual. He's just gonna keep my head down and. But yeah, the party when he's melting down about them being like, uh, "I love, that. hey, you know, grunge doesn't really have guitar solos," <laughs> and it's like, "What? But, 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 but if we don't have guitar solos, I mean, that, that, that dates us to this. That dates us to this time now, which he's so right on. He's right on the money with that. And um, 
<clears throat> I, I guess we're getting into Kirk, but I just wanted to say, <clears throat> like, it's gonna be yeah, brief. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be brief. He's <laughs> super Steph. fucking fucking brain fried throughout this whole movie, um, and and he is adorable. And but there is one little line that he says that kind of gets lost in the shuffle, I think, which is pretty poignant. When somebody, I think they're arguing, James and Lars, and well, you just tell me what to play, you know, and I'll play it and that sort of thing. And then Kirk says, "Well, that's what the last twenty years has been for me." You know, he says that one line yeah, about yeah, like, yeah. and nobody listens to it. You know, yeah. but it's like, hey, do you hear Kirk something, it. Lars? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. anyway, right? That was sort of like that line in, in a Spinal Tap when he's like, you know, like. Uh, uh, Nigel's fire and David is ice and my place is to be like lukewarm water. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Remember that part of Metallica? Yeah, yeah. That's sort of like Kirk's uh, uh, spinal, in spinal tap. tap. Yeah, I, I but, was, um, I was sort of, I was sort of thinking that. Yeah, that this is kind of uh, some kind of monster is kind of spinal tap, but with money and fame. You know, it's kind of, it, it is kind of what it know. is. And and and, um, but one thing I wanted to say about Lars and 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 and, and James is, you know, talking about kind of the teetering of kind of who you side with you know because there's times where you know Lars is just a complete fucking asshat total pretentious goof and then like when he when he's talking about his art collection oh yeah the Basquiat's and and things like that uh but also but also like just why like, did wait hold on we yeah. can't rush over that so to speak okay, sorry it's like he's looking at the Basquiat like why did he put three <laughs> white lines here and when does there. it end? When does the painting end? And when does it start? When does a song start? When does a song end? When, <laughs> when does the album song, start? When do albums end? And he's like sitting, like, he's like laying down on his couch. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely amazing. But like, there's also moments, you know, when he's trying to, he's, you know, and I've been in bands. I've been in bands where you have the drummer trying to do the awkward off time oh, yeah. thing so that's just good. not working but his, his ego <laughs> won't let it you know <clears throat> go yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah. that's definitely happened so but he's got all that those problems but i do think in those kitchen scenes those kitchen nightmare moments when um uh you know fucking james comes back from rehab and he's like uh we're only playing from 12 to 4 from noon to 4 and then lars is like man that's fucking bullshit you know like fuck you you know, like, 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 it's an amazing, it's a, it's an amazing scene for many reasons. One is, a, you can't have a fuck, you can't be in a band for twelve to four, brother. That just doesn't work. And, <laughs> and, 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 and it's, it's like with, you know, James, and he talks about control. Like you're controlling this situation even when you're not here. Like we can't listen to the tapes when you're not here from fucking yep, yep. twelve to four. What the hell can we do? So I do sympathize with him in that way because that's just fucking bunch of bullshit. That's when I was feeling. Uh, like Team Lars a little bit. Uh, he was making a lot of sense, I guess I could say. Uh, you know what I mean? Like uh, it seemed like a natural reaction, and I thought that was a very vivid point because it's very passive aggressive behavior. Oh to yeah, kind of to like disappear for a year and not really be upfront with people about maybe why or uh, what's on your mind or like when is this over? You know, it's the 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 aggression of uh, being non communicative. And uh, I think that Lars is in his right to say that. And I think it was well said about the terms of control. And so, uh, you know, James is coming off pretty bad for me in this one. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, I guess by default, Lars when, better. Hmm? There's sometimes when Lars is like, comes off as like a more, you know, well-formed human being. Like his dad seems pretty cool, you know? Oh, I love Ooh. his dad. His dad's, his dad's love, awesome. Yeah. 
Like, I come down like from the mountain and I say the first song is bad. Yeah. The first yeah. song is, that's not good. I think yeah. you should delete that right now. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Delete that song right now. I think that's not that good. He's not wrong. Yeah. And no. he's not wrong. I love that. No. Yeah. And, then, and then Lars is like, gee, our manager said, uh, it should, you know, the album should open with that song. So, you know. Yeah. Like, well, maybe, but I don't think so. Yeah. No, he yeah. says no, do not. Yeah. Do not if do I that. was, yeah, if I was an advisor, if I was an advisor, I would say to delete that. You know, it's just like the best yeah, way. Yeah, to, yeah. Yeah. Well, what His dad seems cool. So yeah, so he's got that foundation, you know, of like yeah, his dad. I, I, I he listens to that. his dad. He, he he listens to what other people's opinions are and doesn't just like ignore everybody, you know. Um, hmm. And then there's also a part where, um, I, which like when they, I don't want to skip. I don't want to start talking about the new bass player or whatever. But when he first comes to audition, there's a part where Lars is like, "Guys, we're just kind of hanging out in here for like an hour, not doing our own thing and not communicating with him. We should like go hang out with him." It's yeah, kind of, yeah. It doesn't yeah, feel point. right, you know. Yeah, yeah. And like, if I he's think he's a better people person and, in general relative to to uh, to James. That's a good point. Yeah. In that moment, and I think yeah. the, father, the father, the healthy father relationship, it's clearly very close. Uh, is is probably helped out Lars to uh, socialize better. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. And you know, I think I, is it, it help me here. Like, uh, it seems like James is the big boozer, and maybe Lars is like has imbibed here and there, but like he's not an alcoholic the way James. They is. all were, right? I think they all right. were. They all were. Okay, all right. Well, I think it's very clear that you know that these guys, and again, another amazing line in the film tom you may remember it better than i is when um lars makes the reference and he says something like um you know we've never really you know like mm. the only times we've said like i love you man or whatever is 40 drinks deep or something was that what it was what is yeah, it? that's that's it he said um yeah you know it's and that is lars saying that about his yeah. relationship with Jesus. like th there was only one time when we basically said i love you man you know and just really got it all out there about our feelings for each other but that was um, past the line of 47 beers. That's what it takes. Right. And uh, right. yeah, that's right. classic alcohol behavior stuff where you can only really open up and lose your inhibitions and actually express yourself. And uh, that was sad. That was a sad thing to hear. Yeah. And I think these guys, yeah. when you also put it in perspective too, like I think it's easy to, it's easy to look at these guys and say, oh, Jesus Christ, fucking assholes, you know. <clears throat> but it, I, I do think like, when you think about really like easy. when it is, it is. But, but. Okay. But but when yeah, but when All you right, do I, anyway, <laughs> no, but, but 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 when you do, um, put it in context of these guys were children, you know, when all of this is going on, especially in the early yeah. in their career, yeah. they were so Absolutely. young, and and you're just dirtbag guys, man, and making dirtbag music, you're and just then all kids, of a sudden, class. yeah, all of a sudden you're you're going diamond, you know, and you're doing that shit, and then. It's crazy. And then you're 24 years old and your friend, your brother of the road is killed in front of your eyes. It's like, just imagine all the shit they never dealt with. You know, they're never and they clearly loved Cliff. Oh, yeah. And he brought so much to the band. Even oh. I know that. Like I said God. before, I kind of always tracked Cliff and his playing. It's very special. But um, actually, this could lead us to another character in the story as we're running out of time. We got a is, lot. We were talking, yeah, well, we talked about this a little bit. Um, Dave, <clears throat> Dave Mustaine pops in the film, which is a nice surprise. You know, and Dave Mustaine was, um, he was one of the, uh, you know, the four uh, musketeers uh, pre-Kirk. Kirk replaced Dave Mustaine. 
And uh, they fired what him. I'm understanding. Yeah, they fired yeah, exactly. him because he was they a scary drunk. Because yeah. he was a drinky poo guy, like much yeah. worse than them. And it's a it's a somewhat heartbreaking moment when Dave Mustaine is like, yeah, hell yeah. I, I'd rather uh, go back in time, not do Megadeth, and be in Metallica right now because I went on and, and did AA for four months. Like, yeah, hell yeah. And it's uh, it's sad. because, But, but again, I was thinking he's 21. You know, he's like a 21-year-old alcoholic. You just don't have the capacity to like. And he came from. Yeah, he came from a real fucked up background childhood, too. I'm not trying to excuse any of it, but, you know, he's fired from the band, you know, and then they they took all of his material and used it on the first album and shit. But the thing about we we can't move on past David Stane. First two. You're right. Mm. That's right. First two. But we but but we can't move on past Dave without mentioning my favorite line in the film, which is when he's looking at uh, Lars and he's like. You know, man, we used to talk about digging a hole in the ground and smoking that hash together. Yeah, smoking hole, smoking hash in the in the dirt. Those and were like, like the moments. Yeah. You know? he had a, you know, I love all those. Actually, I, one thing I really love about all those moments is they're just talking about really being eighteen-year-old kids and being blown away by the you know the new uh, new wave of British metal. And bonding over that hard and just it's hitting them like right in the soul, all that music. And of course, it it led to them doing what they do. And but that bonding each other, you know what I mean? It's sad to see that Dave was right there, like with Lars. And um, uh, I just thought of something else. Sorry. But just getting back to the sort of 18 year olds uh, times of these guys is God damn it. Somebody said something. I think actually it was Mustaine. So maybe we can wrap up Mustaine with this is. He's like, you know, I'd hang out with Lars. No, sorry. I'd hang out with James and we'd be going crazy and listening to singles, New Wave of British Metal, and bonding like crazy and just being so into the music and so into hanging out. One other person comes in the room. Oh, yeah. Somebody comes in the room and James is not James anymore. That was James and, and uh, Lars. Yeah. 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 James and Lars. Yeah. Lars yeah, is yeah. reflecting on that. I thought that was pretty revealing, too. So. You know, Lars, they all have a lot of hangups, but I think maybe James wins the uh, the race there, uh, at least in dealing with his problems. Yeah. Uh, but no one was spared, really. Sobriety helps him a lot, though, I think. You know, like he comes, good, he does yeah. fuck with them a little bit when he's newly sober with the schedule and stuff, but he does noticeably seem like a better human yeah. being yeah. after. You guys noticed that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely seems the style. anger and his dial down a little bit. No one has the style in his lifestyle. <laughs> you, you maybe put it that way. Uh, I'm not saying well, he's like fully a better person. No, I'm making no. a joke. <laughs> no, he's he's yeah, and and I, I think if you listen to interviews with James now, like the the Mark Maron interview from a couple years ago is pretty great. Like he's got a lot of perspective and hindsight on all this stuff. They all do, I think, in a, in a lot of ways. Um, because I mean, look, they're only forty, you know, when this movie's being filmed, right? Right. Um, and you know, so they're so they're 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 midlife crisising a little bit, and they're trying to figure some shit out. And James, you know, I think in this whole movie is so wound up tight, and and it's like all of it's brimming to the surface uh, with everything at this uh, point. That's you know? a good and point. I, and I and I think it's that all he's coming really to a head. He, you know, what he probably now. swept shit under the rug. Yeah. Like the yeah. band, the band collectively was sleep, sweeping everything under the rug because they're just going forward as a juggernaut. And then personally, they're just like, next show, drink, what's the new album like? And you're just sweeping shit under the rug. And the thing is, when you are so popular and so famous, you have the luxury of going and decompressing and taking an account 
like, you know, where am I, the big four oaf or whatever, and go, uh, I'm a huge mess. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that happens to a lot of people. Yeah. You know, I think that's yeah. what's happening to them. It's and funny, like, this midlife crisis is so severe. Is like, what is, what does the guy with the midlife crisis do? Okay, uh, get West Coast Chopper T-shirts, um, fuzzy dice, clutch cars, a uh, uh, Nazi helmet for my bike, for my motorcycle. Uh, <laughs> like, so get a rock a silly haircut. You know, like, yeah, um, it every, like every rock and roll forty-year-old cliche. Yeah. It's well, books, it's it's, you know? I think it's the uh, flaming uh, flaming uh, pattern. Uh, like, yeah, but, <laughs> work shirts, mostly buttons, work shirts. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah. Well, we're running out of time in Rocky the sense that we wanted to cover everybody. Yeah. But, and I think we do. I wanted to carve out like 30 minutes on Echo Brain. Well, we did. But, uh, we did. Did we, we did. do it to death? Was that yeah. on the air? Actually, it was, was on the air. Yeah, did. yeah, we did that. We did yeah, that. we did that. We did that, <laughs> brother. There was a funny story just about, I don't, you know, I don't want this to turn to a Lars love fest because he doesn't seem like a great dude. Like, no, all he did, I mean, really doesn't. And there, there's a funny detail, like, just about that, I read just about like how you know the, the stuff with Jason doesn't seem like they ever really let him into the band. You know, like there's a funny story like yeah. you, you alluded to earlier um, about how badly mixed Injustice for All was, and I heard the funniest story that like like Lars told the producer like to turn down the bass, and the producer was like offended, and he, as a joke, he turned it all the way down to like to be a dick and just to, like mm-hmm. as a joke, and then Lars was like. Okay, cool, man. Yeah, just take it down another five dB, and we're good. Oh my god! <laughs> I think. Yeah. I think, so, yeah. Did, did I, he I, seem like just a hired gun? Uh, well, to, I mean, think about it. It's like it's like you know, Cliff dies. They even say in the freaking movie that they were holding auditions the day after the funeral when Cliff died. You know, or whatever. Which wow. is insane because they had to keep moving. So they got Jason in the band. But I've heard lots of stories of like they hazed the fuck out of him for years. They they always kind of treated him as a, as that sort of you know hired gun and and it's interesting you kind of there's actually a video on YouTube I'll put it in the description of James recent James Hetfield interview talking about Jason Newstead and why he left the band and reflecting on that and I think a lot of it has to do with never making him a full member and I think one thing that is sure. really nice nice segue here to uh, to Crabcore Jones here let's talk about mm-hmm. him <coughs> is um, uh, Robert R- Robert Trujillo. Uh, who seems like a nice guy. Um, that doesn't but, sound uh, right, but okay. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, but Robert Trujillo, uh, you know, it is it is kind of fun because you see him kind of crab coring around his, you know, his like twin bed, you know, uh, on his twin bed in his in his bedroom. Uh, you know, and, and he basically goes like through like that. Studio apartment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like North Hollywood. That's spot. that's his life took a one of those, you know, like elevators to heaven trajectories within like an hour totally and so so you see this guy you know and he seems like a sweet guy you know i won't hold it i won't hold it against him that he crabs around but he uh so he he like he like he can crab for any day in my book (laughs) you know so he gets gets this uh i think i have a picture with him uh somewhere i'm I'm gonna put it up not grabbing not no actually we're both grabbing impossible Uh, impossible that didn't happen that's not not. i'm gonna throw it up Photo- photographic evidence of him not crab pouring. <laughs> I'm surprised that 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 wasn't a factor. You know that they weren't like, I don't know about what about the crab core. Thing? No, they must have like, loved it. They're like, oh, he's giving us a little new metal touch. You know? <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, but I, what I wanted to say about him is, say? 
he's he's he uh, he gets this once in a lifetime opportunity. He earns it, right? He's he's playing battery yeah, sure. pretty fucking wicked, and he, and I he mean, gets in the band. Amazingly, he wound up sounding better than Twiggy Ramirez. <laughs> Marilyn Manson's old uh, yeah, band name. Like, 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 I don't know I'm how like he did it. That... I don't know how he did it, but he wound up kind of a, being more impressive than Twiggy Ramirez. <laughs> I know that's he's weird that he pops up. I also like imagining that the dude from Caius is in Metallica. Yeah. Like how also, there's just like a stoner rock, like pothead, like off to I the know. side of Metallica, and everyone oh else is wearing God. black. <laughs> yeah, very weird choice. It seems like they it's didn't a real cast Molly a crew of auditioners. Yeah, they, yeah, they didn't cast a wide enough net on that one. I don't think. But anyway, uh, so Robert Trujillo gets the gig. I think it's a great moment too, where the band is shown in a positive light. Where I really they, like it. You know. Where they, it's great. Where they, here's a million bucks. You're part of the band. And I think like in that little negotiation scene with the lawyer, they're like, you're going to get 5%, you know, and they're like, no, man, it's 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 25, 25, 25, 25, you know, that's very fair. That doesn't happen much like and I think maybe maybe let's maybe talk Jason about the feels about that. I was yeah, exactly. I was going to talk to you about the lineage of the bass players. Um, and this is actually psychological, too, you know, and like band therapy. I, I can't imagine losing. I think losing Cliff. Their bass player with Cliff was not the bass player. I mean, I mean, he he started with them. He's Cliff, and I think he was more important than maybe Dave Mustaine to to the the other two guys. I think so. And um, you know, because I'm seeing, I, I keep repeating it, but I think I'm seeing really that Cliff was very special. You know what I mean? Oh, and yeah. Brought a lot of interesting things to to, to the the act of playing bass in a metal band. He was a spectacle on stage, you know? I mean, he was incredible. Yeah, yeah. Just you watch some, like, his solos on, uh, you know, on Cliff them all. Go grab a, go grab a, exactly. a, 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 a Cliff them all tape. Yeah. But my point is, in the psychology of things, so he's gone. And, you know, if you're going to keep being a band, you have a bass player. So they get a bass player who, the sin that's committed by Jason is that he's not Cliff. And like they'd haze anyone because they're wounded, they're hurt. And like if they, they probably look at Jason and he what he is is not Cliff. You know what I mean? Like so he's it's hard for him to carve out an identity and a, and, and a respect. Oh, it's a and, hard shoes to fill, yeah, my friend. Because yeah. he's not Cliff. But maybe as they age, but also as they skip. So it's like like uh, it's it, there's not a direct line between Cliff and, and it's, it's a direct line between Cliff and Jason. But now there's a distance between Crabcore Jones and Cliff, you know, and so maybe that helped him. <laughs> and also maybe they feel yeah. like they wanted to be more fair to their bass player and do a real solid and give him the 25 percent. That's pretty sick, you know, on the revenue. So uh, and I yeah. like that scene. I there's think something there's like, uh, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I think that. Well, I want you to finish because I do like that scene, too, that they cut him some slack and give him some money and make him a full mem- fledged member of their band. It shows them as good people you know i thought they didn't have to do that but they did yeah one thing that's like sticks out you know when we're talking about like the reason like that like jason didn't fit in and whatever like i it just reminds me that other people that died in bands like brian jones or whatever yeah integral part of the stones he died and then they went on and got even better you know afterwards you know and like yeah i think it's like with, with james and lars it's like they aren't like the first two albums are basically Dave Mustaine, right? And then they've got Master of Puppets, which is a Crazy. decent album. And then like, oh, yeah. uh, and Justice for All is only half good or whatever. And then after that, it's just them selling out. They don't have ideas and they're just trying, they're just chasing the dragon. You know, it's like they, I think that there's like a lack of, I don't want to say a lack of talent. I mean, I don't think Large is not a great drummer. 
you know, like, uh, uh, like James is not a great vocalist. They don't write good what you're saying. music. Like, you know, there's there's like a lack of there's more going on there, too, than just like no, this I, tragic, I, traumatic I, experience. And, you know, because there's just like a lack of. Yeah, no, I hear you. Like the, like another um, real impact of Cliff's Cliff's death and, and Dave leaving. I think I think, um, yeah, I think it's I, it's yeah. the word maybe you're thinking is um, and I might agree with you is and I'll shut up is um, like, uh, you know, some kind of creative genius spark. You know, like maybe those guys are relatively hacky compared to Cliff being like pretty out there and innovative. And it sounds like a lot of you guys give uh, Mustaine a lot of respect oh. on the riffs. Is that right? Oh, man. Mustaine is the he is man. So innovative guitar player. He's the he's man. A, okay. He's innovative. Yeah. He's he's like an innovative metal guitar player who like brought new kind 100%. of like techniques and stuff. Okay. You know? Yeah. Mustaine um, is like the all supremo I, guitaro. But I just want to say, too, that as far as the musicianship of the other guys, I, I think James is a solid guitar player. Kirk Hammett fucking sucks as a guitar player, in my opinion. Uh, sorry, I've just never been a fan of the wah-wah guitar solo boy. But the uh, Lars is okay, I think, you know, for what they're doing. But I think largely to their successes, they just really had um, a the right influences, man. They combined so many great things at the right time. They combined Motorhead and they combined, you know, Budgie, and they combined, you know, uh, f weird influences from all over the place. Yeah. And I think, and when, and when you do that effectively, I mean, they are. If you go back and you look, they, they borrowed a lot from a lot of different people. It's a lot of little pieces from a lot of different, like seven inches from, yeah. you know, the UK. And they put that together yeah, yeah. very well for a long. But you can only do that for so long. And I feel like well, it's you great know, underground music yeah. too. You know, like it was yeah. great at, in contrast to the right. pop metal that was big in the eighties mm -hmm. and like new wave right. and stuff. It was great underground music to be like, look at all these awesome records that these guys like and are bringing. You know, they're, they like the same records I like or whatever. You know, so yeah. I, I think it's great underground music. Once it pops above the surface, it's like it loses its reason to be or something. You know, to can we? Uh, they shouldn't have been the biggest band in the world. You know, it's a but lightning in a bottle sort of thing. Yeah. Can we talk just about the record Saint Anger for the last couple minutes here? Uh, okay. Go for it. Obviously, it's 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 right on brand with this movie that they would shit out one of the worst albums ever, uh, and it's 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 it's, it's amazing. Talk to us. It's amazing to listen Preach. to it, it for so many for so many reasons, because uh, obviously you know they're they're trying to do the new metal thing, the snare sound. Everybody talks about the snare sound Ooh. being the trash <laughs> can lid. There's some great videos on YouTube of people covering Saint Anger songs with a trash can lid as their snare drum. Uh, it's very fun, um, <clears throat> and it's also great too. There's YouTube videos of people remixing the songs, putting a proper snare in there too. Uh, and it's it's very it, to me that just is so fits perfect with where they're at. It's almost like they had to make this really awful, terrible, like they had to shit out this tumor, you know, right, um, right, in their right. career in order to to like get it out and go. It's it, some kind it was, of Buddhist principle that some I've heard. Some kind that. of Buddhist. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, like I'll, I'll 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 wash your back so you don't so stab, you don't stab mine. mine. Yeah, that's another Buddhist um, aphorism. Yeah. Anyway, I no, love when they're like critiquing their own music, but they're like that is a Buddhist like, um, philo philosophy where it's like you've got the bad, the cancery thing, and you. Uh, oh God, is it happening? I got it. I got it. Is it water bottle time? Oh, fuck. <laughs> look, I'm going to get long-winded. Okay, he's kind of blabbing about Listen, Buddhist stuff. Get, We're talking yeah, about Metallica. I'm going to get long-winded oh, about Buddhism. Look, he left. Look, you, know, the, the Buddhism, you, you chased Buddhism Evan away. That, hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm getting... 
How did this happen? What's going on? I'm in, a, I'm in a bunker and I want to talk about Buddhism. But <laughs> what? How did that happen? Somehow he passed through um, three time zones to to water bottle me. Uh, I got spray bottles. Um, um, did he and stop? Diff- he hasn't stopped. I uh, I will. <laughs> End scene. <laughs> yeah. He never stops. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so Boy, who is the... No, that's good. It's it's good. It's it's uh, yes. it's yeah. Okay. It's There's Allo. I, I love when they're critiquing the music and it's like uh, they're like it's kind of a stock riff and it's like oh yeah, how can you tell? <laughs> like they're all pretty yeah. stock. You why know? is this <laughs> one? Uh, why are we calling out this one? I know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um. You know, actually, uh, uh, do you think they're healthier and a better band? In twenty years. It's been twenty years now since this part of the. Today. That's hard to believe. Well, yeah. They? Yeah. Well, well, you know, well, you know. Crabcore Jones has been in the band now longer officially than James than Jason Newstead was, which is trippy Crazy. to think about. But yeah, I mean, I think that they are in a better place. I think the record that came after this was, you know, more in line with where they needed to go. I think that, you know, they have a lot of I think more they have more wisdom now they're 20 years older, you know, and I think uh, I hope so. Check out some interviews and I think you'll see some nice uh, hindsight on I'm, t- I'm talking like a big Metallica fan here, but um <laughs> Which is kind of weird. Check out but. some interviews. Just don't listen to the music. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> they seem like they're in much better place overall. Um, but anyway, oh, so much we left on the table on this one. Holy There's shit! There's a lot. I can't let it go without saying best album title ever: Satanic Cuckoo Clock. <laughs> right. Yeah, they really, uh, they really missed an opportunity with that one. That's All right. it. That was the rules. One hour and only one hour to talk about one movie and we <laughs> did it and uh we're recommending it right is it on um platforms to watch it's people? only on apple uh tv itunes whatever the fuck they call it now these days so it's not it's not anywhere else so that's where you should grab it right now uh we didn't really get to say this it's kind of cheating i just wanted to say kudos to the filmmakers i actually think that this yes. movie um as a as a uh, doc is great i think it's cut really well there's a lot of comedic timing put into this movie and mm-hmm. uh, i think that the filmmakers did a hell of a job with it and clever editing yeah yeah clever editing the movie the movie does construct a lot of dramatic great sequences we didn't get a chance to shout them out but i wanted to it's worthwhile even if you're not a a talica fan it's 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 a value you know and there is really human insight that's it cheating over for me <laughs> Marcus, do you have we a We actually did spend two fucking well, we had two fucking hours on this movie already. Oh my yeah. god, you're right. <laughs> yeah, but no one's ever gonna see that first fucking hour, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, know. I do want to cheat, but I'm gonna keep it pure, you know. It'll come back yeah, up. We have to stop. So if if we're if done. we're talking about us as Metallica, well, first based and upon appearances right now, you're 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 James Hatfield over there. I I'm, really am. I'm Larsen over there, but Marcus, that means you're Kirkin. I know what you're gonna say. I know what you're gonna say. And I was when I was watching this movie, I was like, I was thinking, like, I was like, oh my god, I'm not Kirk, am I? <laughs> no, no, no. Just surfing and surfing by the beach there, and yeah. Just don't, just um, don't fuck with Cliff. Marcus's solos, okay? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Don't even. But, but, but yeah. <laughs> don't even threaten to not include his solos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very oh, I love watching him lose it there. It's so funny. It's, it's so funny. Well, it's it's that is comedic. You're talking about comedic. Oh, we're cheating. Um, the end. 
All right, what's next? You know what's not cheating? It's like talking about Metallica ringtones. That's not cheating, right? Oh. (laughs) Well, maybe. You know what? There's going to be a moment to address that, maybe. Or maybe multiple moments. Maybe we're some kind of moment moments and have a, a, a little thread maybe, maybe some not. kind of moment yeah tom t- tom wants to do an oops all moments episode at some point which i yeah. think is a uh, special pretty, episode is all moments <laughs> so and and so far some kind of monster is the best candidate for oops all moments meaning yes all yeah. rando yeah. um hilarious yeah. Oh, God, it's so fun. I love to watch Metallica clips with uh, Lars playing badly live. <laughs> That's, oh, there's so that many. Is I've, I've, I've done that myself. Yeah. We got to like stop. Like, you can't do um, one, you know, can't do the end of one. Yeah, can't even do one. Yeah. Okay, we got All right. next week. <laughs> Let's talk about next week uh, real quick. Uh, we're going to be back on the, uh, on the usual schedule, of course. Um, let's talk about this now. Gentlemen, uh, we've been wanting to cover a Scorsese film for a long time where we are 34 films deep and haven't even touched uh, the guy's work at all. Um, and I think we're kind of between two movies. So I thought it would be fun to introduce the, am I going to say it right? The, the coin no. gangs of New York. <laughs> gangs of New York has been discussed as a one fucking hour. Or, I'm just or Shutter Island. Yeah. Oh, I would do all the bad skezzies <laughs> if you guys want to do them. I would bad skezzy, bad bad yeah. um, skezzies. Yeah. Um, no, this is the Scorsese coin toss. There you go. You did it. That we're um, inaugurating. Toy toss. Okay. Um, toy all right. So here's the toy toss. Martin uh, toy toss. We we are gonna either do one fucking hour on King of Comedy, which will be heads. Um, King of Comedy, I mean, fuck, man, it's uh, my it's my favorite Scorsese movie, probably top tenor for me of all oh, time. Really? Okay. Uh, oh yeah, hundred percent. I I, oh, I think no. it's a brilliant I'm movie. A I think it's I think it's his darkest movie in a lot of ways. I think uh, it's an incredible De Niro performance. Ma. And- yeah. <laughs> yeah, six weeks. I told you I couldn't give you six weeks. Six weeks. All right. Um, Please. And, uh, yeah. um, and Jerry fucking Lewis is in it. You know. I know your old moment. Moment himself. Era. It's cracking yeah. up. Uh-huh. Like the I same know. year. Same year as cracking up. Jesus, why are we that? doing this? So heads will be um, uh, king of comedy. Tails is going to be one fucking hour goes to film school because. We're going to be talking about, uh, uh, obviously, one of his deeper cut films, Taxi Driver, which, um, Tom... It's I mean, our come take. On. It's our it's take. Our take. Look, we just did Star Wars like a few weeks ago, so yeah. we just do that sometimes. Fuck it. Yeah, but I'll big. say this. It doesn't mean the losing side doesn't mean we are not going to address the film at some point. Sure. It's just what is happening you know, next week. So, sure. you know, what is the loser is going to pop up you know, some point down the road. So right. So, to recap, heads will be king king of comedy deep so dive, low stakes. low stakes. King of comedy deep dive yeah. tales. You guys is gonna be uh, our sort of uh, take on Taxi Driver, the uh, deep cuts of Taxi Driver, if you will. Right. Um, okay. So here we go. <clears throat> Very exciting. Heads. Drum roll. All right, and it is. <laughs> Tails, Taxi Driver. Okay. All right. Let's do it. So one cool. fucking hour on Taxi Driver. I didn't have to watch Driver. it. 
<laughs> Taxi Driver starring Albert Brooks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, that's how I see it. Let's do it. I'm ready. Uh, yes, I mean, it. but again, fucking... being a comedy will will happen. Yeah, you know? it'll happen for sure. So one fucking hour in Taxi Driver. Wow, one from some kind of monster to Taxi Driver. Okay, let's do it. Um, I have no idea what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have a whole week to think about it. Uh, so, all right, everybody. Uh, we will see you um, next week. Uh, one fucking hour in Taxi Driver. But before we leave you, this could be a 20-minute segment here I'm about to throw to. But it is going to be <laughs> uh, your moment of zen. And uh, thank you, everybody. And we will catch you again next time. So long. Tom, actually, Tom's here in New York, everybody. So if you haven't figured that out yet. So, oh, so long from New York. All right, see you happened. later. Oh, my God. Bye. All right, goodbye. Marcus Wave. Marcus Wave. Okay, thank you. All right, bye, everybody. Let's hear it for Avril Lavigne. <laughs> give me two, give me four, give me another show to show. Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. Yeah.